Before we start tonight, guys, can we do something? Just a minute of your time, because I've been feeling this heaviness all day. And every time I practice this message, the words do not come easily to my mouth, and I couldn't find a comfortable flow, and I feel like the enemy is trying really hard to derail something. So I want to take just a minute before we do anything else and just pray. Will you do that with me right now? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to stand up here and to speak the word that you have given me to these beautiful people. And God, I just pray that you would do exactly that, Lord, that you would just speak through me, that you would just use me as your instrument, God. I pray that you would keep the enemy far from this room, keep his whispers from their ears, keep his prompts from their heart, God, that you would just fill this place with your Holy Spirit, God, that it would work in us and through us, and that something would happen tonight that we could not expect, that we did not see coming, and that we can't stop talking about, Lord. Let your power move in this room, and let everything in here be surrendered to you and you alone, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for that. I felt like we needed to start off on the right foot because I'm a little bit nervous about this one, so y'all bear with me for a minute. 25 minutes, okay. Raise your hand if you've ever heard this saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Most of you have heard that, right? Anybody know who made that up? Nope, me either, but I know they were a fool. Because we all know that words have the power to hurt, sometimes more than sticks and stones, right? And tonight, that's what we're going to talk about, is the power of words and where that comes from and how we harness that power and how we use it for good. So before we start, I want to look at Scripture and what it says about the power of the tongue. So let's go to the book of James, third chapter, verse 3. It says this, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. That's pretty powerful, right? Set the whole course of your life on fire. That last line is a little bit strange, but really all it is is a figurative way of saying that the devil is the source of the tongue's evil. Look at the power of the tongue. It can corrupt the whole person. It can set the course of our life on fire. A great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Our words have the power to bring about a lot of destruction. We have to be careful about how we use them. The Bible describes the tongue as deceitful. In another place, it's described as a sharpened razor. And I'm sure all of us are familiar with this. We can testify to the power of negative words spoken to, that, to us and what that has done to our hearts and to our minds. Think about a time that someone has said something hurtful to you. Like, have you ever heard anybody say things like, you're ugly, you're stupid, I don't care about you, you'll never do anything good, 
you're worthless, I don't want to be with you. All of those words destroy confidence. They rip places in our hearts. And have you noticed that as you get older, it's harder and harder to remember things from your childhood except that those things that people said to you that were so hurtful seem to stick there like you heard them yesterday. You know what I'm talking about? Like you just, no matter how long ago it is, you just can't forget them. In high school, my brother played football, and he was not a star by any means, but we never missed a game, home games, away games. We came home from vacation early to catch a Friday night game. It was important that we be there and watch him. So when I was in high school, my sophomore year, I went out for softball, and I made the team, and I also was by no means a star. I was decent. I was a guaranteed on-base hitter, like every time at the plate. <clears throat> I was going to make it to that base. Whether I hit the ball or the ball hit me, I was getting on the base, right? So that first season, I made it through. It was great. Had a good time. Learned a lot. My mom came to a couple games. Never saw my dad there. So junior year, I go out for softball again. I make the team, and I go to my dad. <clears throat> excuse me. And I say, hey, dad, our first home game is this Thursday if you want to come and watch. And without taking his eyes off of his TV, he said, if you were any good, I would come. And I was like, oh. I mean, it felt like somebody had kicked me in the chest. Because first of all, I was thinking, how do you know if I'm good or not? You've never come. And why in the world wouldn't you want to support me whether I was good or not? <clears throat> No, it was just softball. It's not like I had aspirations of being a softball phenom one day. It was just a thing that I was doing. But I noticed that after that, the way that I performed went like this immediately. And then I didn't go out for softball again anymore. And I know it's, a, it's not a significant thing. There are so many things in my childhood that he said to me that were soul-crushing. And I don't want to dig up all the dirty laundry tonight. I just want to illustrate the point that words have the power to destroy confidence, to make you doubt what you're capable of. They also have another power. They have the power to do good, just like they do evil. So let's look at the power of words from a different angle, a more positive angle, words that are life-giving and confidence-boosting and soul-stirring. Like, think about the time that someone paid you a compliment. Has someone ever looked at you and said, you're attractive, you're smart? I'm so proud of you. You inspire me. You're going to do great things. I love you. I love being around you. Those words breathe an entirely different kind of life into you. They have the power to make you feel good, to make you believe that you are someone that you didn't think you could be, to make you believe that you can do things that you didn't think you could do. They have power. Whether good or bad, words have power. My favorite of the positive words are the ones that are spoken about me, but not necessarily to me, like I just overheard somebody say something, or someone came to me and said, hey, so-and-so said such-and-such such about you. Those are my favorite, because I know that that person didn't say those things simply to puff me up, because they didn't know that I was going to hear them. So I know those words came from a genuine place. When I was in junior high, there was a kid in my class named Chad Stovall, and his dad was the preacher at the Christian church in Macomb. My best friend at the time went to church there, so every once in a while I would go with her. 
And one Friday night, they were having a lock-in for the youth group, and she invited me to go, and a bunch of people from our class were going. And you have to know, in junior high, I was like the ugliest little boy you've ever seen. <laughs> Serious, like built like a six-year-old boy. My mom didn't like to do my hair, so she kept it cut off really short so she didn't have to bother with it, so it was just my face hadn't grown into my teeth yet, you know, so it looked like my ancestors were horses. It was bad. It was, it was bad. And I thought that all the girls in my class were absolutely gorgeous because, because they looked like girls. I was like, shoot, that's all it takes. If you got long hair and you look like a girl, you're beautiful. So this is me, ugly little boy me, going to this lock-in. And Chad had an older sister named Holly, who at that time was maybe a senior in high school, maybe in college already, but she was there. And she was just kind of spent some time hanging out with his classmates and talking and having a good time. And the next week, Chad comes to me at school and he says something that I'll never forget. My sister told me I should keep my eye on you. And I was like, well, that's weird and creepy. But no, she said I should keep my eye on you because you're going to be absolutely gorgeous when you blossom. And I was like, now if he had said, my sister said you're absolutely gorgeous, I would have been like, bro, your sister's smoking a crack. <laughs> but that's not what she said. She said you'll be absolutely gorgeous when you blossom. And all of a sudden I had like this newfound hope. There was like light at the end of the tunnel. I was thinking maybe I won't grow up to live in my parents' basement with 15 cats. Like, maybe I will blossom into something that is worthy of wedding bells. How incredible would that be? So I had this new confidence, maybe a little too much confidence, because then I started looking at the girls in my class like, you think you're pretty. <laughs> you heifers just wait till this flower blooms, okay? <laughs> so I had to dial it in a little bit. But words have the power to breathe new life into you to make you see things that you didn't see in yourself before. I want to go back to chapter 3 of James and look at what is driving our words, whether they're negative or positive. It says in verse 3, when we put bits in the mouths of horses, we can turn the whole animal. And in verse 4, it says a large ship is steered by, by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. See, the tongue has power. But something else is driving that power. When it comes to our tongues and our words, it's our hearts that set the course. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. It all comes down to the condition of our hearts. A heart full of darkness is going to overflow with deceit and destruction. But a heart that's full of light, it's going to overflow with goodness and kindness and encouragement. And maybe you can see this in your, lo in your own life. I know for me, I can tell when my heart is full of darkness because what comes out of me is negativity and criticism. And I have to go, whoa. There's something wrong with you. But when my heart is in good condition, ooh, I cannot wait to speak encouragement to people. I look for ways to compliment somebody. And when the good that's overflowing is so compelling, I can't stand it, I will say stupid things like, you got really nice toes. 
doesn't make any sense at all, but I just really want to say something good to you, so whatever it is, I'm just going to say it. I can see this, this so vividly, this distinction between a dark heart and a light heart. When I look at the differences between the man that I grew up with and the man that I grew up to marry, my childhood was filled with soul-crushing, destructive words. But now I live in an entirely different world where every single day love and encouragement are spoken over me. I love you. You're beautiful. I'm so thankful that I married you. He even puts little sticky notes on my mirror. I almost took a picture of them to show you all so you'd know I was telling the truth. He'll stick them right where my face should go so I don't miss them when I come in in the morning. And then I move them over to the side. But they say things like, thank you for everything you do for our church. I think you're the best. Remember the roast. I was like, oh, that's sweet. But seriously, there's notes, all sorts of sweet things, and it says remember the roast, because he wants me to know that he loves me, but he also wants to make sure I feed him. So that's fair. But it's such an incredible difference between words used for good rather than for evil. So if we know that our tongues have power and we know that, there are, that our hearts are the driving force behind what flows from our mouths, what's the last piece that we're missing? The last piece is the good news. Literally, the good news is the gospel. The gospel changes everything. It takes these hearts that were, or these tongues that were once set on fire by hell, and they are now under the authority of Jesus because our hearts belong to him. What used to overflow with deceit and destruction now overflows with life and goodness and encouragement. It changes everything. We are restored and renewed from the inside out, and it is seen through what flows from our mouths. Because of the gospel, I no longer view myself through the lens of the words that people said to me, those nasty, hurtful things that were spoken to me. I don't see myself as that person anymore. My value and my worth are determined by the one who died to save me. And the gospel also gives me the power to forgive those people that spoke those hateful words. Because now I know that that came from a dark heart influenced by the accuser and the slanderer, that they just hadn't yet been exposed to the light, and that's not their fault. I can forgive them for that. I can let go of that anger and that resentment and that hurt, and I can just be at peace with who I know my creator made me to be. Even beyond the overflow of God's love, from our hearts to our lips, a heart surrendered to Christ has a new kind of power. There's a new power in our words when we surrender them to him. Anytime that I'm going into a difficult conversation with someone or I have the opportunity to walk with, some, with someone through a difficult situation, I always pray beforehand and I ask God to intervene. I say, God, give me your words. 
to speak. Give me your eyes to see them with and your heart to love them with because I want what happens in this room to make something difficult into something glorifying. I want to speak life into this situation and I need you to do it. And so many times in those instances, I will say things and I'll be like, I don't know where that came from because I'm not smart enough to come up with that. Had to be the Holy Spirit. It was the power of the Holy Spirit giving me the right words to speak and the right heart to speak them from. There's power when we surrender our words to the authority of Jesus. There's also power in just simply speaking the name of Jesus. This is going to sound crazy to some of y'all, but I believe this with my whole heart, so you can think I'm crazy if you want to. But when my boys were little, my youngest, Maddox, was like two or three years old. I had put them to bed one night, and he just would not settle down. He was like flailing all over, whining. So I'm like trying to pat his back, rub his little back in his bed, trying to put him to sleep, and he's not having it. He won't stop moving. He won't stop whining. So I pick him. He's Clayton's kid, so I pick him up. <laughs> and I start walking around the room with him, trying to soothe him. Nothing's working. He's still whining. He's still crying. And I'm starting to get exhausted, and I'm starting to get overwhelmed, and I'm thinking, why can I not comfort my own baby? Why can I not calm him down? And then he's going to wake up the other kid, and then all three of us are going to be awake, and I need to get some sleep. And I'm just losing it, and I go and I sit on the top step, and I put him in my lap. And he's still flailing, whining, crying. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. There's got to be something else going on here. And I just closed my eyes and I said, whoever or whatever is tormenting my baby, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave him and leave this place. And immediately, his little body relaxed. And I looked down and he was passed out asleep. There's power in the name of Jesus. You speak his name into the darkness, and the darkness flees. So now you have a changed heart. So the power of your tongue can be used for good. And now you have a new power because your words are surrendered to Christ. He can speak through you. He can use you to speak to others. Or you can just simply speak his name, and it changes everything. So what do we do? What do we do to rein in our tongues? What do we do to make sure that we're speaking life? We have to grab hold of the gospel. Like we believe that it changes everything. Not just like, hey, I love Jesus. I gave him my life. But like really grab hold of it. Like really surrender everything. Even the things you don't want to lay down, you give to him because you know that he will make it good. Really surrender your heart. Let, be, let it be transformed into his likeness. Let your words flow from a spring of living water. We also need to be very careful about keeping the condition of our hearts in check because we're fallible, we're human, we're susceptible to the influence of the enemy, so we're foolish to think that we can just give our heart to Jesus and then not think about it. It's something that we have to keep in check constantly. And we can do that by staying rooted in the truth of his word. Read it, consume it, 
pour over it, store it up in your heart so that it will be filled with light and darkness will have no room to hide. You can keep your heart in check by just surrendering your thoughts and your motives to God. Ask him to intervene when you don't have the right words to say or you don't want to say the wrong thing. Ask him to speak through you. And I think one of the most important things that we have to do to keep our hearts in check is to first speak truth over ourselves, speak life into our own hearts. Find a scripture that stirs your heart and speak it out loud over yourself as often as you need to. It might feel strange at first, but it's a great way to make sure that your heart is in check and that your focus is on him I might have told you all this before, but every morning on my way to work, I pray the same prayer. God, go before me. Work through me. Let me see people with your eyes. Let me love them with your heart. Let me see where they're hurting and comfort them. Let me see what they need and meet it. Just let me be a light to the people around me today. To me, this is just as important as brushing my teeth. Because just like I don't want to talk to people with stank, nasty morning breath, I don't want to talk to people with a stank, nasty heart either. We have to constantly keep our heart in check. Not give the enemy an inch to use our hearts or our mouths to destroy others, but to constantly be speaking life. Because what we don't want to do is praise God out of one side of our mouth while we curse his children out of the other. Keep your heart in check. Keep the word rooted in there. And keep goodness flowing from your lips. I want you to start tonight by doing some very specific things. All of you should have one of these cards on your seat. On one side it says, write the worst thing someone has said to you. I want you to write it down, and then I want you to pray about forgiving that person. There's going to be time during worship. If you want to, you can go out to the lobby, and you can call them, and you can say, hey, I forgive you. But it's not necessary. What's most important is that you forgive them in your heart, that you release the hurt and resentment that has been living there since you heard those words, and you just remove that darkness. On the other side of the card, it says, write the worst thing that you said to someone. And then I want you to pray about how to reconcile that wrong. Maybe there's someone even in this room that you just need to walk over to and say, I'm so sorry for what I said. Maybe it's time to swallow your pride and repair a relationship because your words got out of hand and your heart wasn't in the right place and now's the time to do it because you might be the one holding the key to their healing and you need to give it to them. If you're in this room and you haven't started a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to think about the words. I have to go back to my notes, guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> in Proverbs 4.23 that says, above all else, Guard your heart, 
for it is the wellspring of life. The best way to guard your heart is to cover it with the blood of Christ. If you have not made a decision to accept Christ, I urge you to do that today. Do not wait any longer. There is forgiveness and healing waiting for you. There is a power that you cannot harness on your own. There is a new life that you can't even imagine, and it is all yours with one decision, one step toward a God who loves you beyond all measure. Do not leave this room tonight without taking that step. There are people all over here that would love to help you with that. There are people on either side of the stage. I will be right here during worship, and it would be my honor to help you take that step tonight. Because when the power of the gospel gets in you, it changes everything. And you can't imagine the abundant life that you will experience in Jesus Christ, so please don't wait any longer. Don't let Satan get a win tonight. It's time to take that step. It's time to let his truth really change our hearts. Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your son. God, thank you for the opportunity to escape the evil of this world, for the promise of eternity with you, God. And Lord, I pray that until we reach that glory, God, that we would fight every day to keep our minds and our hearts focused on you, God. That the way we live, the way that we speak, the way that we love would shine like a light to people around us, God. That we would live lives that draw people to you, Lord. That glorify and honor you, God. And it starts with the way that you change our hearts. What you do with everything that we surrender to you, God. So I pray that every heart in here tonight would yield to you, Lord. And that every bit of darkness would begin to be replaced by your powerful, beautiful light. God, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.